Amen. And there's a war for your body too. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for uh, that you have created us in your image according to your will and truth, brought us forth by your will and purpose. And Father, I thank you that each one today will be encouraged, Lord God, that we will be encouraged in your love, that your perfect love will cast out the fear that's trying to control us, suffocate us, strangle us, destroy us, Father God, the anxiety, the stress that we will rest in you, trust in you, um, lean and let our hope be in you, Lord God. Uh, lean not to our own understandings. In all our ways, acknowledge you and you'll direct our paths. We thank you for being thankful. Thanksgiving and being grateful and thankful is a remedy. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Help us to find the medicines of God today in this, uh, in this uh, show. And Lord, I pray that your divine protection would keep us, keep our technology straight and uh and obedient to your will and purpose, uh, your will be done, and no weapon formed against us will prosper, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to another show on anxiety. And if you want to do a quick review of fear, stress, and anxiety, what anxiety does, it says in Proverbs, of course, that anxiety in the heart of a man uh, causes depression, but a good word will make it glad. The Bible is full of admonitions and encouragements uh, against fear, uh, that God is faithful to complete the work in us. Um, fear not, I am with you. I'll never leave you or abandon you or forsake you. Um, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Yay, thanksgiving this week. Uh, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and mind or set a guard over your heart and your mind. So we see, uh, as we were talking the last couple of weeks, that anxiety well, fear, stress, anxiety, physical ailments, all kinds of things are connected and go back to spiritual roots. Um, remember that we are a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. And our body is fearfully and wonderfully made, but it's very vulnerable. Our body is a very amazing system of connections and relationships between, uh, you know, um, nutrients and oxygen and chemicals and minerals and, and the proper um, functioning of all of those organs and tissues that move this here and that there and supply blood and remove toxins. All of these must be in a nice harmony and, and, and in, in harmony with one another um, in justice and truth and love, peace within the body for the body to work properly. Because when we are faced with fear and danger and polar bears, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, our body is set to go into an adaptive mode of fight and flight, where we f- we fight to survive. We run. Either either we, we f- there's a fight, there's a flight, or there's a freeze. Sometimes people freeze in these shocking, terrifying moments, and and they don't they can't send a message anywhere to their body to run or to do anything. They just freeze. They're paralyzed. So, but the adaptive system, the general adaptation system, is there to um, protect and pr- promote our health and well being, and the stimuli that come through your five senses. Are what that's the information that is fed into your hypothalamus. Your hypothalamus is like in the center of your brain, uh, with the limbic system. It kind of uh, interprets uh, the information, 
and then gives direction to your body, whether it is to fight, to fight, to flee or to freeze or uh, whatever that might the, the occasion might call for. So, but the the hypothalamus then sends the information into your body systems and organs and, and sends that information through the two avenues, through a chemical release of uh, chemi- chemicals through the uh, endocrine system. Uh, we talked about cortisol and histamine and, uh, of course, adrenaline, and then through the neurological system as neurological impulses. And so you see how the body is very, very connected, even though it's uh, it does much of its work uh, in an involuntary way. That means you don't get to make a lot of the final decisions on how fast the heart is going to beat. You cannot control it sometimes. From that level of biological chemistry, yes, we can we can um, calm down, we can feed ourselves, we can rest, we can. But the, the the root information that comes through our systems, through our senses, through our stimuli, um, once that's in there, your body pretty much knows what it's supposed to do, and you're going to have to go with it, so to speak. But there is something we can do about it, and that really is to understand the roots of of, of fear, stress, anxiety, the spiritual roots, the spiritual dimension of fear, because we are a three-part being. We have a body and a soul. The body and the soul, as I told you before, are connected. When the soul and the body are connected, you are alive. You may be just barely alive, but you're alive. But once, the minute, the second that your soul departs, your body collapses, it becomes a corpse. It cannot function without the interaction of the soul. Um, but but we live not only in the context of a, of a biological world of compounds and, and chemical reactions, we live in a very spiritual world. And because we're in a spiritual world and we're spiritual beings, we also have, we're susceptible to what's going on in the spirit world. A lot of times in the medical community, the best they can tell you is that, well, you know, this, this, and that, and you're this, you've got this, but it's stress. It's stress-related. Um, then they send you to a counselor or something like that to try to help you to, uh, to, to de-stress or to, you know, and they have all kinds of bogus ways for you to de-stress that actually make you work harder. And anything that makes you work harder is not helpful. You need rest. You need to be uh, relieved of the burden of survival. Remember, we also talked about the three basic uh, issues of life, our survival or safety and survival. So your body can survive. You need your food, clothing, shelter, money, finances, home, whatever. That's your your basics of, of, of survival. You've got to have that to just simply get by the with the bare minimum. And the second thing is uh, our righteousness. The second task is, are, am I righteous? How do I obtain righteousness? Where do I get it? How do I keep it? How do I know I have it? Because we're, we're a spiritual being. And of course, righteousness is one of the things that we desire and crave because we're built by a righteous and holy God. And the third thing that's a task we are often faced with is to figure out who is to blame, to, to restore justice, to restore um, truth and balance uh, to the body, to the life, um, to solve, resolve the injustices. We have to find a place to blame someone. So it's whose responsibility is it? And this whole world, of course, is set up on Satan's um, uh, paradigm of, it's, you know, of, of you are what you do. You are defined by your behavior. God defines us by our being and by his word. But Satan defines us by our behavior. And so obviously when we're in the snake pit getting bit and dirty and running into all kinds of problems, spiritual and every other way, 
It's not easy to stay clean. As a matter of fact, it's impossible to stay clean. It's impossible to, to protect, be protected from getting bit by the snakes. And so even though Christ is the rock in the middle of the snake pit and we can stand on him and be in him and abide in him and through his word, we can live in a fairly peaceful life. There's still a lot of things that, um, that go on. Uh, that we have no control over. And I think that's another problem is anxiety comes from uh, trying to control things, trying to, and not being able to do that. Um, So you're on spiritually on this torture rack and we're going to get to the body in a minute, but we're on this torture rack where I've got to do something, but I can't do it. I have to try harder, but it's never enough. I have to be good, but I'm never good enough. Um, You know, there's always, there's always a problem uh, and it's, it's, it pulls you in, in opposite directions, which creates a ripping and a tearing uh, and a division in your being. And then when you're divided like that and you're setting up and set up in opposition to your help, yourself, set up in opposition to yourself, actually the stronger man is at that point invading your house, not only your spiritual house, but your physical house. Your body is the, the dwelling. It's the vessel. It's the temple dwelling place of the Most High God. It is our, our house for now. And each of us has a house. And uh, we look we look at the outside of the house. We think, oh, it's a beautiful house. Oh, it's well-painted. Oh, it's got lots of, you know, pretty shutters and it's 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 well, well-formed and da-da-da. But the inside of that house has to also be healthy and beautiful and in harmony with itself or we're not going to do very well. So it, it's, it's true that um, the enemy, he understands our vulnerabilities, our bodies are beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully made, but also very vulnerable and weak. And the fact is that we have to have certain things to survive. You have to have food. You have to have, you can go several days, obviously, without food. You have to have water. You can go less amount of time without water. And you have to have neurological impulses that are, that are going through your body to send those neurological messages. Technically, that's death when your body stops sending neurological impulses to your various nerves and organs and tissues. And so we have to have certain things to maintain the, ba- the bare minimum. And uh, many times those things, Satan can create lack, uh, oppression, abuse, uh, relationship discord, where he can set up a, a very difficult, very difficult survival mode situation where you're trying to... Um, uh, just barely, you know, defend your life, protect your life, and feeling overwhelmed and unable to uh, address those issues. Um, actually, the, the 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 two factors in anxiety, as far as I see it, are on one side of the torture rack. You're feeling overwhelmed. Um, you don't have you, you have too many things you are have to do, or the things you're trying to do are too big, or too out of control, or you have no power over them. Um, you're overwhelmed. Uh, it could be something as simple as, you know, preparing a big feast for Thanksgiving. You're overwhelmed. You've got too many little details and too many things to do, and there's nobody there to help you. And so it's up to me. It's up to me as a spirit, the lie behind witchcraft. It's up to me to get this meal prepared. It's up to me to clean the house. It's up to me to um, make all the people happy. It's up to me to take care of their emotions psychologically as we grow up, for example, up to me to raise my parents, up to me to make them happy, up to me to be a good kid so that they will be a good parent. So it's up to me on that side. I'm overwhelmed with all of that stuff because it's all about it's up to me. And then on the other side of the torture rack, I'm totally confused. I'm totally stuck. I don't know where to start. I don't know. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to begin. I, I, I'm sort of getting that freeze mode where I 
can't do anything. And then, of course, at that point, we can also be complicated not only with the, the overwhelmed and confused, but that creates anxiety because that's the tension between I've got to do something and I can't and I don't know what to do. And then we can also throw on top of that a spirit of the total injustices of the world all the time being ripped off, being cheated out of something, being lied about, uh, being maligned, being taken to court for no reason, whatever. Um, the injustices of the world that cause us to, uh, cre- it creates an internalized or an externalized anger. Anger is a sensitivity to injustice. And it's, it's energy to try to fix that. So we're going to go after the problem, but we don't quite know exactly how to do that. So, for example, when you're a child, you're angry, you become angry because you're not living in a home that's created by God to be in harmony, support the children, raise the children, care for them. Um, the child is raising the parent or the, um, uh, the, ch- the, the parent is in some way uh, being a hypocrite being confused, uh, being dis, you know, addicted, uh, distracted, um, abandoning the child, uh, abandoning the home, divorcing the, each other, the parents. And so you have the child seeing this, this injustice, this, um, this failure to be truthful, honest, and, and uh, tell, you know, create peace and protection. So you see this, and so the child becomes angry at the injustice. And then on the other side of the torture rack, Satan comes to the child and says, well, but you're supposed to honor your parents. And so you become, you feel guilty for not honoring your parents. So now you have the problems of feeling guilty for being angry. And as a child, of course, you have very little power to do anything to correct any kind of hypocrisy or injustice or, uh, you know, abuse. And so you become uh, what we call resentful. And so a lot of people, when these these an anger if it's if if you can't deal with the anger if you can't face your opponent if you can't express your um your your own position position on something that anger can oftentimes be ex- internalized and that internalized anger we would call bitterness or self bitterness and the bible talks about that too in hebrews chapter 12 where it says um living at peace with all men um making straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated or, or made worse to fall down and break your knee or something or get a knee, a knee, a knee, a re, knee replacement. But he says, live at pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up cause and cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. So this root of bitterness, this swallowed anger, as I call it, goes inside of our bodies. I mean, we pocket it in our stomach. We pocket it in our secret chambers where we don't want anybody to know we're angry. We pretend on the outside we're fine, that we're, we're good, we're, we're complying, we're um, doing well, we, I'm fine, I'm fine. But on the inside, this anger is uh, turning to bitterness and it's festering and it turns into inflammation. A lot of times inflammation is, um, you know, many people have that. Uh, and, and there is a, a, a divine uh, process of inflammation why we call it like for example when the body when you break a bone the, the the members around that broken bone will swell whether it's the tissues or the um uh the the ligaments or the uh, the, the, the whatever it is they they will swell to protect that broken area that's good but when that is not Satan can also use that mechanism to create a swelling um when there's an injury <clears throat> and oftentimes it's a psychological, spiritual injury. So he creates a swelling, a spiritual swelling 
a demonic constriction swelling around that area. And so that swelling, which is not from God and it doesn't resolve, um, it becomes an, a hindrance to the flow. It blocks things. It irritates. It creates a fire, inflammation, flame. The word flame in there creates a fire. A bitterness is like a fire that is set up in your bones. It's like it's like lighting a match, you know, uh, the fire, the injustice, and throwing that match, hiding that injustice, that anger in a wastebasket, stuffing the wastebasket in your closet and wondering why your house is burning down. That's kind of where it goes with this kind of thing. And so, and, and many people that are living in relationships too that are very maddening. They, they can't resolve the, the, uh, the issue because it's so, um, it's so demonic. It's so diabolical. It's so beyond you to resolve it because it's, there's a spiritual, um, uh, script the demonic w- spiritual world is is creating a contention, a conflict, and a accusation uh, that puts you in a catch twenty two where you cannot solve it if you go to the right or to the left. You know they have that horrible little saying, but it's a true saying. I'm damned if I do. I'm damned if I don't. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do: is con- condemn you, damn you, accuse you, so that you can't. You're trapped. And a lot of that entrapment, of course, is terrifying. Spiritually, a spiritual entrapment is terrifying because it, it's it's not like we can outrun the polar bear. We have to we we have to or climb the tree. We it doesn't matter if we climb the tree or outrun the. We're going to get it. We're going to die. We're going to die. That's how we feel about it. Anyway, this thing is going to take me out and kill me. So let's look for a minute at some of the um, uh, sp- spiritual physical connections in um, our, our anatomy. And I'm taking a lot of this information from a book called The More Excellent Way, which I'd encourage you to get. Pastor Henry Wright, awesome man, just passed away about a week or so ago. So I'm kind of doing this in memory of him, but I found his work to be um, well done. Uh, he was a medical student, understands the anatomy very well, very curious in that area. So he did a lot of research in that area. Plus he, he added the, the human component of doing a lot of work with people as a pastor. So he would you know, take these things apart and through their uh, their own self-report, he would begin to find out uh, what's, what were the spiritual root causes of these physical diseases because that's basically what he, um, he uh, was his principal focus. And so, um, uh, but there is a connection. Uh, and I, I absolutely agree with him that there's, there's spiritual roots to every disease. I, I would say every. I don't know if he said every. I would say every. Every disease. Because why can I say that so confidently? Because I can confidently tell you there are only two kingdoms. There's not a third kingdom of, of me, or there's not a third kingdom of uh, my, mine, myself, my, it's just me. Those, <clears throat> there's not a third kingdom where we put mental illness and medical I- issues. Medical issues do not come from heaven, and there's not a third kingdom, so there's only one option left. They have to be coming from the pits of hell, because God did not create your body to dysfunction. He created your body fearfully and wonderfully to, um, to thrive and to do well. And so let's look at a few of these, um, uh, the spiritual roots of diseases that are that come from fear, stress, and anxiety. And this is the tip of the ice, iceberg. We could really probably spend 10 shows on this and still not cover it all. But I'm hoping that you understand that it's like, it's like this, there's the spiritual world and then there's the natural world. And Henry Wright puts it this way, what's going on upstream in the spiritual world is coming down to affect the natural world. That's a good way to put it. I would put it something like that, but I would say whatever's going on in the spiritual world is affecting what's going on in the, in the natural world. 
and your natural world, everything ends up in your body. I mean, the last frontier is your body, as we spoke last time. And so <clears throat> everything everything that begins up in the spiritual world ends up avalanching down into your, your tissues, your organs, your functions, your physical body. And that's why when you get sick, you need to listen to yourself. You're finally, your body is getting to say something to you. Your body is basically saying, this isn't working. I can't do this anymore. Um, we need to do something different here. We need truth because truth equals freedom and love equals healing. So the body is telling you something without using actual words. But finally, when people get so, so sick or so dysfunctioned or crippled or crunched up that they finally acknowledge the truth, there's something going on here. I mean, so much of our life is denial. It's fine. I've got it. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't pertain to me. Um, whatever it is, you can push off and deny and not deal with a whole lot of things, including your own sin and the sins of your generations. You can push it off. Put, oh, that's not me. I'm under the blood now. I'm, I'm saved. Jesus took care of all that. Yes, he did. But it needs to be his victory, his truth, his authority, his... Uh, uh, healing needs to be enforced upon the earth and it's not being enforced if you're living in denial. You're not going to be able to say, well, you know, the Bible says when you yourself have not been reconciled with what the Bible says. And so let's just look at um, a few of those diseases again and re- and, 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 and we'll, uh, let's just do one here. Let's do angina. Angina is a word, oh, it's a common medical word, but it's it means pain. It's a it, the definition in the dictionary is a, desi- a disease. It's a it's a disease that causes or comes from or creates spasmodic and painful suffocation. So there's spasm spasms uh, in the in the the organ, the tissue, the, the muscle, whatever. There's that causes pain, and it's it, it the actual Greek word means strangulation. So that when the um, there is a str- like for example when you get a Charlie horse, you know something is being twisted something in your muscle something is being strangled something is being you know you know strangled choked um hurt and so it creates a certain kind of uh angina or pain so pain um it, and when it comes it, that pain occurs in the chest of course we can have uh, you know, heart attacks but the pain can start with an emotional situation an emotional stress or a physical stress a lot of times i believe uh, the mind and the emotions are key in um, also adding their uh, two cents worth to what the stimuli coming from the outside world is saying. So you have the stimuli coming in, then you have your thought in your head, oh no, I could die, or you have your emotional, oh no, I'm abandoned, I'm alone. And so the, the mind and the emotions throw in their, uh, their fear, their worry, their uh, panic, and then it goes into um, a, a heightened uh, mode of anxiety or pain. So when you're having, for example, a heartache, like say a broken relationship, that pain, everything is connected. The road goes both ways. So that pain can create that emotional breakup. That pain in the heart can cause a pain in the body or a pain in the body can cause a pain in the heart. It's like they go both ways. So... Um, so we have apprehension and suffocation in this, in this, uh, in with parent, with pain. You look at the, 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 uh, now let's look at the spiritual roots of pain for a minute. Um, there is the pain that, um, 
I, I, it, it's defined in the dictionary again, pain is defined as a penalty or punishment or pain. And so if you look, connect this with the spiritual world, pain comes from um, agreeing with, and remember all of this is based on our agreements with truth or lies, with the agreement with I am guilty. And guilt, if you name him as a demon, guilt has three friends, and one of them is named pain. Pain comes in as, as a, a result of your uh, uh, the implied, the implication, the agreement you've made with the, with the implication. So this is all based on agreements. Remember, it goes back to whose report are you going to believe, the truth of God or the lie of Satan? And Satan lets the lie look or dresses the lie up to look like lunch to the hungry little fish, look like truth to you, looks like a shortcut, looks like an easy out. So he dresses up the lie to look appealing. You bite into that hook and you become lunch. So you you agree with the lie by implication. I am guilty. I I I did it. I I behaved misbehaved. I told the lie. I stole the loaf of bread. I whatever I did. So you're agreeing with guilt. I'm guilty. So guilt says, "Oh, good. Well, then if you agree with me that you're guilty, you all agree you also agree with me that you deserve to be punished." So then we go with punishment, penalty and pain. And so he, the spiritual component of pain is punishment for feeling guilty. So a lot of times when people are having a lot of pain, that is, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, a true pain and then there's the counterfeit pain. The true pain is like when you get in a car accident and you break your leg or you fall down the stairs and break your hip. There's real pain there because you've done something to your biological body. You've, you've wrenched the, the hip bone out of the socket or something. And that that's painful because it's the owie. It's not it's not working right. It's a it's a message to you that you need to stop and take care of this. So it's a, it's a good thing. It's a message from God. You've got it. You can't walk on that right now. You have to get to the doctor to fix that, and so um, or do whatever you need to do. It, it could. I'm using a very obvious example, but so but the counterfeit pain is the pain that goes on and on and on and on and on. At 20 years after the car accident, you still have pain. That shouldn't be because by 20 years after you should have something should have mended or healed or your body can heal it by God's grace. Our bodies are given the grace to naturally heal themselves. Isn't that wonderful? If we give them what they need and take away all this, the other stress and distractions from them and let them rest and be okay. But we're not usually okay with being okay. So we spend our whole life in anxiety, um, feeding off that anxiety. So pain. So I, the people who are going to all these pain clinics, for the most part, they would do well to look at a possibility of where is the devil accusing them of being guilty? Because if they are saying, I'm a, I, I agree, I'm guilty, then they're also saying, I deserve, I agree, I deserve to be punished. But the truth is, you're guilty of being, uh, of what? Of believing a lie. You believed a lie, whatever that lie was, you got tricked and the guilty one is the deceiver. But, ah, he gets off the hook because you've already taken the guilt. And he's like with Eve, when God said to Eve, what's going on down here, basically? Eve said, the serpent deceived me. And God didn't say, well, uh, I told you not to eat of the fruit. And uh, you need to fix this yourself. And I'll come back later when you've got this figured out. He turned right to the serpent and cursed him. But see, Eve knew that she had been deceived. Yes, she had bought into the lie, bit the fruit, ate, ate it. She didn't say she didn't, but she didn't. She knew who had deceived her because he was right in front of her. So she had enough wherewithal to understand that. It, and she wasn't blaming the devil because the devil was indeed the one who had done it. It wasn't a blame. It was a fact. 
So going back to pain, so we have, we can have pain angina in many different areas of our body. Um, we can have um, uh, it, it can involve um, a, a classic kind of angina where there's a narrowing, for example, of the, of the arteries or the hardening of the arteries. There can be unstable angina where it comes and goes. It's kind of like a spasmodic thing, uh, which oftentimes creates a lack of or an inadequate supply of oxygen to the various uh, members, I would say members, organs, tissues, operations, whatever. And the third kind of angina is more of the thickening of, uh, of the, uh, the the heart areas, the layers of the heart thickening. So things are not, uh, there's a wall, there's a hardening. And that's another thing, hardening of the arteries, hardening of the, um, uh, the, the, the myelin sheath or the, not the, the eating up of the myelin sheath, but the hardening of the myocardial layers of the heart and things. That thickening, that hardening is like putting up a wall. Um, and I believe another element of that, especially any kind of rigidity, like we talked about, I think a couple of weeks ago in the, in the, the, the lungs where the, the breathing sacs, the avioli of, of, uh, where are, are the, the walls of the cells are hardened so that there is a, it's not easy for the oxygen to go through. It's not easy for the uh, the exchange of the oxygen, the carbon dioxide. And so that's why we get the, the gasping for air, the hardening, the grabbing of the chest. We're, we're being suffocated by the angina, the pain. The pain is coming from fear and not of not being able to breathe and the panic of I'm going to die. So part of getting over an asthmatic attack is to realize, if you realize it's a demonic attack, not just something wrong in your body, because if there's something wrong in your body, you have an instinctive knowing, I cannot, I can't do anything about that because my body is on its autopilot right now and it's gasping for air and it's suffering and striving to live and trying to breathe and, and panic. And panic is, one of the ingredients of panic is the fear of imminent death, immediate death. I'm going to die and there's nothing I can do. I'm totally out of control. I'm at the mercy of whatever. But when you get into those places, if we can recognize the fact that this is a demonic attack, this is, I see it like this. I see it like in, in that particular case where there's a spasm uh, in the muscle, in the bone, in the, uh, in the nerve, a spasm in the, in the heart or a hardening of the artery or the wall, cell wall, anywhere where there's an angina, angina attack, a pain, that it is a spirit I'll just throw it right out to you and you can do what you want. I, I see it like a little demon pinching or scratching or holding or strangling or, or tightening or constricting that little area of your body right then with this invisible claw. And and it's like if you can see it something like that, then you can start to deal with it like that. Okay, you spirit of death, you spirit of fear, a, a spirit of an, a, asthma, spirit of angina, spirit of pain, you will not get your hand off my body. Because I'm going to tell you something, you need to understand these things can freak you out and frighten you to the max, but th- that's their whole purpose. They have to, they're, they're, they're calling your bluff. They're, you have to, I'm sorry, you have to call their bluff because they're bluffing you. They're trying to make you think that they, uh, whatever they are, invisible. See, invisible is terrifying. If it's invisible, I can't see it. I can't control it. I can't deal with it. But even though this world is invisible to the naked eye, it's not invisible to the spiritual eye of understanding that this is a spiritual world and these little things are attacking. And sometimes they even try to live in us. And sometimes they try to flip in and get in and out of us and take control of our kids and cause them to do very demonic things off the subject, of course. But these demons are real 
and you need to deal with them according to the power and authority that God has given you through the name of Jesus Christ, through, through invoking or reminding Satan of the blood of Jesus Christ, because that really pushes him back and freaks him out, uh, or using the word of God on him, or the sword of the word, even using the, the, the sword. Say, I, I come against you with the sword of the word of God, because in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says the sword of the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword separate even to the dividing of bone and marrow thought and intention soul and spirit so even that sword can separate bone is something that's going on between the bone and the marrow and the marrow is inside the bone that's pretty intimate pretty tight but the sword of god can separate a tumor from off of a bone it can separate a thought from an intention a soul from spirit that's the three areas the sword needs to separate because sometimes you don't know the difference between your thought and your intention to act on that thought you don't know the difference between um uh, your soul and your spirit uh, your bone and your marrow. So the, on the biological, the spiritual, and the um, uh, soul level, the sword of God's word, Satan knows that. It says he knows the word of God, he fears and trembles. So when you use the sword, you say, I'm coming against you, you spirit of, let's just say, you've got a gripping pain in your, in your uh, leg, Charlie horse, or you've got a gripping pain in your heart. And you say, okay, I come against you, you, you spirit of suffocation, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the blood of the lamb. And then, take the sword. I, I take the sword. I separate, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, let go of my heart, my bone, my, my vein, my whatever in the name of Jesus Christ. I come against you the blood of the lamb. Now, Satan may not yet leave at that point. Uh, it's not a magic thing. He still may have a claimed right um, to do this. Now, for example, it, this is where we need to understand how Satan uh, lays claim to our lives. He lays claim through his um, previous encounters with our generations, with our bloodline. God sees our bloodlines as one. We see them as, well, that was them, and this is me, and that was my grandparents, and this is me. And that's true, too. God says each man will give an account for his own, his own self. But at the same time, if Satan has gotten a whole lot of information, a whole lot of um, uh, uh, junk, uh, garbage, uh, evidence, if you will, uh, against your generational bloodline because of sins that they committed even maybe three, four, ten generations ago, he will still, in his desperate moments, try to use that as his claim to bring that same thing down upon you. So you may come against uh, the spirit that's operating as an angina or a pain in your heart right now, and Satan, and, and if you would really investigate it, it doesn't go away. And then if you're brave, you'd say, Okay, what is your claimed right, Satan? What is the right you're claiming to uh, give yourself permission to bring this judgment upon me? This Because this is not God doing this. This is another problem. People think, oh, this is God teaching me a lesson. Oh, this is God punishing me because I sinned. You know, God already knows that we're going to sin. He's not okay with it. He's permitted it because he gave us a free will and he knew we were going to be tricked. But the thing is, what God wants us to know is that we, we, we so many times, it's kind of crazy, it doesn't even make sense. If God is the one punishing you for sinning, then why, how, how do you dare ask God to heal you? I mean, it's your punishment. You deserve it if it's from God. Why do you, how can you think of even asking God? Or if you believe it's your cross to bear, how can you ask God to take your cross away? This doesn't make sense. But the truth is God is not bipolar and he's not crazy and he's not uh, multi-personality. God is one. And God is God loves you, and God knows the truth. And God's perfect will at that moment is not being uh, in, in operation. God's permissive will is being in operation. And Satan also has a will. You have a will. I have a will. 
Satan is the world, God is the world. But because we're in this world where Satan runs the world and he is given, been given, he stole our power, he stole our authority, he's convinced us we're the underdogs, and now he's taking and using that as an, to his advantage to corral us, to use us to corral one another, to strangle one another, to, uh, to destroy one another. Satan is using us, our power, to destroy one another because he doesn't have any power except the power we give him. And we give him power when we, give, when we become afraid. Uh, perfect love casts out fear. If you know who you are, that you're loved perfectly by God, you have a lot more power and authority and courage than you think you do. So anyway, going back to being at that moment, Satan is saying, I have a claim right here. I can continue this angina, this pain in the heart, for example. I can continue to give you this heart attack because of the blood, the blood that was shed by your generations past. And, you know, Satan's, uh, his uh, rendition of justice is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a blow for a blow, blood for blood. And you say, well, I thought that was in the Bible. It is in the Bible. And I thought that was God's rendition of justice. Well, no. God never said that was his rendition of justice. He said, that's what happens. He said, that's the justice that's running right now on the earth, but he doesn't say it that in that specific way. So we assume that this is God saying, okay, if you slap someone, they should get to slap you. If you poke out their eye, if they poke out your eye, you should get to poke out their eye. Well, if that is God's rendition of justice, then God cannot also give us a new law where it says, turn the other cheek. Can he? He cannot give us a new law that says, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, forgive one another. So which is it? So we attribute to God, the God of the Old Testament, especially all of this eye for eye, tooth for tooth, blow for blow. No, that's Satan's idea of justice. Because if that were God's and somebody poked out your eye, according to that, if that were God's way of restoring justice, you should get to poke out their eye. But if you poke out their eye, then how does that love them? How does that promote love and, and peace and goodwill? It does not. So see, Satan, God is warning us that Satan is going to bring back upon you everything that he can to justify his uh, demonic judgments, his, his bitterness, his activities against you, his accusations. So if your people in your bloodline, for example, um, let's just use it. I, I see that I've done thousands of generational bloodlines, so I can tell you with the fact that people from royal bloodlines uh, have more heart attacks. They die of more uh, blood-related diseases and heart attacks and aneurysms and birthday orders and, and a bloody deaths um, because they shed a lot of blood. They cut people's heads off. They had them executed. They, um, there's a lot of bloodshed, so blood for blood. So Satan says, your generations, they drew blood. They took blood. Now I'm taking blood from you. You know, you're, you're paying for the sins of your fathers in, in a way. And that is not what, that's not okay with God, you know. But if we don't deal with that and say, God, here's how I'm going to deal with this, I'm going to agree with you that they're, my relatives, kings and queens, uh, were uh, out of control. They were under the influence of Satan. It was wrong. They're, they shed innocent blood. I'm sure they killed innocent people. I confess this. I confess it. Is The Bible says in Leviticus 26, 39, if you will confess your iniquity and the iniquity of your fathers, which is with you, then I will restore the covenant. So I confess the sins, the executions, the injustices, the beheadings, uh, the bloodshed, the, 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 the witchcraft, the, the uh, control, um, the pride, uh, all of these things that caused these kings to be insecure 
and kill people so they could stay in power. I confess these things as an abomination to you, Lord God, and I repent for my own participation in them. And the reason you repent for your own participation is because in some way, since you were conceived, since that moment of conception, Satan has finagled some way to get you to agree with that subconsciously or through an implication that... um, that makes you, tries to tie you with that sin so that he can use that against you. Now, if he can't get you to agree, then he can't do it to you. For example, if you have uh, an alcoholic parent and you make some declaration or determination, I'm never going to do that, I'm not going to drink, then if you don't come into an agreement with alcohol, then Satan cannot put alcoholism on you. However, you don't, if you don't realize that alcohol is only one facet of, of the spirit of addiction, and that addiction can get you addicted to sugar or to exercise or to um, uh, uh, sexual relationships. Or If he can get you addicted to something else, he still has you. He doesn't care what he addicts you to. So when you're seeing that there's a, a, a predisposition to use chemicals or false comforts or um, you know, to to supplement or to comfort yourself. If you not, don't just not be an alcoholic, say no. I I cancel out all of my agreements with addiction because addiction, addiction is a spirit of false comfort. Addiction is a spirit that tries to take away pain. It's a, when Satan gives you pain on the torture rack, the angina on one side of the torture rack, he's going to try to give you a relief on the other side, and that's usually. It could be food, you know, eating for comfort, eating uh, uh, comfort foods, uh, drinking, uh, drugs, uh, meth, escape, uh, video games, uh, TV, uh, uh, any anything, movies, anything to escape from the reality of the pain of this whole dreadful world. And this is a dreadful world, except it's awesome as well, because Jesus Christ is with us in the midst of it. So going back, okay, so now you have this pain, and Satan is not letting go of your heart or whatever, and you say, Lord, what is the what is the claim that Satan is making to my life here? He doesn't have a right. He didn't die for me. He doesn't have a right to do this. So what is the claim he's making? And the Lord will bring it to you. What is, and he, what, he may show you. He may bring it to your mind. Of course, especially if you understand how this works, it will be much easier for you to say, okay, what are the sins of my generations I need to understand right now? You know, was it bootlegging? Was it horse whipping? Was it rejection? Was it, uh, did my father, uh, my generations past own a plantation? Were they whipping slaves? I don't know. Whatever it was. And, and a lot of us don't know a lot and that makes it a little more difficult, but you can, you can read this thing both ways. If you're having a pain and a heart problem, it probably was a blood related issue back then. So you can, the blood guilt, that's a big word in the Old Testament. God wants to deliver us from blood guilt, the guilt of shedding innocent blood. The first sin well, was the eating of the forbidden fruit. The second sin was the shedding of innocent blood. And so that blood actually, if you look, read in Genesis, uh, Abel's blood was crying out from the ground to God for justice. And so there, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Your, your blood, actually, I believe if they'll look further, they'll discover that almost all of your information, all of your history, all of your story is in your blood. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it, it, we, I, I've heard that. I believe that's true because it says in the Bible, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So the story of my life and the generations that have gone before me to give me this blood, because there's been probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that had to uh, come together, marry, have a child, and, and to create the generation that brought me forth. So there's hundreds of bloods, stories, hundreds of people's stories and blood and pain and whatever in my blood. In I'm carrying the legacy 
of, of you know, just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, Jacob was carrying the legacy of Isaac and Abraham. Um, and he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's seeing them as one. It's one family line. It's just, And so it, it, this is bigger than you might think. You say, well, I can't deal with all that. I don't know all that. I know you don't know all that. But what you just simply how you have to do is do the generic confession. I mean, you can't, God doesn't expect you to know every little in and out of what happened in their lives. And then if you ask the Lord, okay, so Lord, there's, there was bloodshed. Um, and you can just look at your bloodline and you can see even one or two generations back. It only takes two points to, de- to define a line. So if you've got your point and the point of your parent, you'll see, ah, there's a line. If you have your point but the point of, and the point of your child, oh, we're doing the same thing. There's the line. You don't have to have 25 points on the line to define the line. Only two points needed to define the line. So there's a connection between them and you. And so, um, so you say, okay, Lord, I confess. I repent for my own participation. Um, knowingly and unknowingly, and I, I take away the enemy's right. I declare that this is, uh, this is a false accusation against me. Uh, I come to the court of heaven. I present my case. I ask that you judge this accuser of mine and that you restore unto me everything that's been stolen from me, including the, the peace in my heart. And Jesus Christ is my witness. He's the faithful witness. He's the testifier. He was there at the at the scene of the crime every time. So he can testify to the truth of what has gone on and what needs to change and what needs to happen. And so when we see this, so now you have an understanding of just one of these things, the, the pain. The, and, and we, and, and of course, the pain can affect any area of the body and anxiety and fear just cause it to intensify Perfect love casts out fear. So when you know that you're loved, you know that God is with you. You know that he is in control of your life. He's the only one that can say whether you're going to live or die. Well, actually, take that back. You have a little bit to say about that. If you've given permission to the devil to say, I hate my life. I wish I were dead. I don't want to be here. I'm going to suicide. You, you, you know, the thing is, you have power to, to speak into your life, death and life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And the power of the tongue can speak not only death to other people, but death to yourself. And a lot of times people do that. Oh, you know, we murmur, we complain, we grumble, we uh, we um, we wake up or we go to bed or we do whatever. We stub our toe during the day. What do we do? And we acknowledge it and we go with it and we give place. We give an agreement. We speak over it. We give it the negative. Um, oh, I've got such a headache, for example. Oh, I've got such a headache. Instead of saying, oh, I've got such a headache, or oh, you know, I've got this cold coming in, you, you're speaking it into your being. You're speaking it into being. And say, you know what? I rebuke this headache. This pain in my head is not mine. This pain, conge- pain, headaches oftentimes come from constriction of the vessels. Again, there's not getting enough blood here or there, oxygen. And so whatever the devil is doing to strangle, to, punt, to pinch, to bind, to grip, to gnaw, to chew, to shred, we, you can say, Lord, this is not what you died to give me. This is not the abundant life. I, I want, I'm taking authority that you've given me to say to this thing, you need to get out of here, you need to go to hell, um, or you need to go to the court of heaven and report to God what you're doing. So we have, and we've just barely, barely touched the surface, and I'm going to try to do a little bit more before we have to go on. So angina um, is, uh, the, the target organ often is the heart, or the heart plus the the, the cardiovascular systems, the blood vessels. And so the angina can also, can create a hypertension, which is high blood pressure. It can create arrhythmias in the heart. 
um, you know, heart not beating properly, mitral valve prolapses, um, all coming from fear, anxiety, stress. And it says in uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 26, in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. So we haven't seen anything yet in terms of what's going to happen. And yet it's very amazing that in the midst of this terribly horrible world, God has created protective bubbles for his people, uh, havens of refuge and shelters and protections. But it, it, the, the protection is not something you necessarily can see out there. It's an internal bubble of security and knowing that you're loved. It's the bottom line is knowing that God knows the truth. God loves you. God doesn't even believe the lies that you're telling yourself about yourself. God knows the truth. And so when these, um, the, the diseases that bring, come from fear, stress, and anxiety, um, uh, the angina, that it's, it's all coming from a spirit of fear and guilt and anxiety. And those spirits, like I said, they cause that stiffening. And that's, that can be a spirit of religion too. Hardening of the heart. That also comes from witchcraft, hardening of the heart. Blindness, spiritual blindness, hardening of the heart. Hardening uh, is one of the, also one of the symptoms of uh, uh, spiritual hardness comes from mixing the gospel of grace and good news with the gospel of law. And that's in Romans chapter 11, if you want to look at that. God, God warns us that when you mix grace with works, you're never done working and you're never able to rest. It, it uh, brings, it says, um, God will send upon them. Here it says, chapter 11, he says, Even so, then, to this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. Verse 6, And if by grace, then no longer of works. Otherwise, work, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were hardened. So when you mix the gospel, this is what the Bible says, when you mix the gospel of grace with the gospel of works, there is a hardening, and the hardening can be of the heart, of the arteries, of the, of the um, digestive system, of the cell walls, of the, the lungs, uh, the bronchial tubes, all kinds of things that don't, shouldn't be, you don't want hardened. Now, there's some things you do want hardened, and that one thing I can think of is the bones, but they want to be hard and strong. Um, so there can be a stiffening. There can be a hardening. Stiffening, like, you know, in that general adaptation syndrome, when you're, when you're preparing for fight and flight, you know, you, certain things change quickly in your body. The blood is pulled towards the inside, like we talked about last time. It's pulled away from the surface. Um, your eyes dilate. Your, your muscles get ready to run. Um, so there can be all these kinds of uh, triggering events in your body. So and the and the spasms they can come from again the pain the, the the torment the punishment the guilt and also for example people who are I would say look into your bloodline do people have people been strangled in your bloodline and yes some people have their their kings and queens their descendants whatever uh, strangled cut off choked and it can be not just maybe your neck it can be can choked or strangled in your business or in your relationships people who have suffered um from strangulation being cut off that's a you know cord wrapped around your neck perfect example you already have a, a history of strangulation being cut off from life people who are born with a cord wrapped around their neck satan has already tried to kill you at least once already and choked you cut you off strangled you 
And when you try to go forward in your life and you've come from that disposition, your subconscious agreement is life is hard. I can't do this. Every time I try to do this and achieve this and go forward and get born, I get pulled back. I get strangled. If I go forward, I'm going to die. I have to stay back here. So for those infants, the subconscious agreement is life is hard. I can't do this. Um, I don't know what to do. I'm trapped. Those are kind of the subconscious agreements with uh, the child who's been strangled. We also have the spasms. We have the back and forth, uh, the gripping, um, the hyperactivity in the cardiovascular system, which can create, again, that hypertension. Hypertension is uh, constricting. The blood vessels are constricting, according to the general adaptation syndrome. So they're getting narrower in certain places. So this backs up the blood and makes it hard for the blood to get through because the blood is supposed to go through nicely throughout the whole body, including the capillaries. But when it's blocked up or restricted because of cortisol, because of histamine, because of fear, because of uh, adrenaline, and, and that hypertension, your heart is beating, beating harder to get outrun the polar bear. But when that polar bear is forever and doesn't ever go away and it's an emotional fear, spirit of fear, spirit of fear that lives inside of you or, or is, is hooked up to your system and it's part of your uh, body of death operating software, you, you, you never can go back into a place of homeostasis or balance or equilibrium or peace then your constriction of the vessels is going to not release either. It's not going to, the chemicals are not going to be released into your system to release this, this um, hardening and stiffening. Um, so that's where we get the high blood pressure. Um, so fear, stress, and anxiety produce not only the constriction of the blood uh, walls, but this is, this is very common. And sometimes, however, we don't, uh, can't identify the polar bear. Um, we think we're, you know, just in this nice little marriage, and maybe you're not. Maybe your nice little marriage is really uh, a, a narcissistic um, a stronghold that you're living in, and you haven't yet identified it. And so your body is going haywire, getting sick, getting cancer, getting diabetes, because you haven't realized that you're living in a very, very dangerous citadel that's run by the ogre, whoever the ogre is, can be a female or a male. Um, so this high blood pressure... Uh, which narrows the blood vessels, causes a resistance in the flow of the blood, increases the pressure that backs up into the coronary vessels. And, of course, then people take um, lots of medications for this. But what is the root of high blood pressure? I'll tell you what it is. It's fear, stress, and anxiety. Um, and But many people don't deal with the root. They just take the medication. And all the medications, I hate to say this, God forbid, um, seem to have side effects on us. Um, I, I've heard this. I don't know if this is a fact, but I've heard that people who secrete too much are too anxious. Uh, they secrete cortisol, and cortisol needs to be reabsorbed. And if it doesn't become reabsorbed, it becomes like that. It, it settles in around your your tummy, and it becomes like a little tube around your tummy, like a inner tube or something. And so it's that that li- that loose kind of jiggly kind of I don't know body fat that's not really doing any good for anything so but anyway so we have a lot of connections there is no disc there, it's all connections everything is connected the body the soul the spirit the spirit of fear affects the body the physical body which affects you and your emotions affect or play into that the word of god plays into that the devil plays into that the generational agreements all play into this this whole system of 
health and wellness, and but really, simply, simply, if we just understand that we go back to the Word of God, we go back to peace, we go back to truth, we go back to peace with God, we go back to peace with ourselves, and then hopefully that'll, that'll come peace with your neighbor, and you won't be under all this religious laws, legalism, and lies that I've got to do this, this, and this for God to love me. God already loves you. He loved you from the beginning. He loves you through it all. He loves you in the middle of your big mess. Because God already knew you were going to be in that big mess and he's not disappointed because he knew everything already anyway. That doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan for your life. Your plan, God's plan, is for you to enjoy eternal life with him forever in heaven. So I think next time we'll pick it up again with uh, self-bitterness, self-rejection, and speak more specifically about arrhythmias and uh, mitral valve prolapses and coronary diseases and strokes and things like that. So if you will... Um, we just can uh, say a prayer here. Father, we ask for health and healing and the revelation of Jesus Christ to bring truth to the inward parts. You said in the hidden part, you make me to know wisdom. You desire truth in the inward part and in the hidden part, you make me to know wisdom. Let each one here know that their health, their life is in your hands and they don't need to defend themselves. And so, Father, we thank you again for your truth and your mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Rescue Radio. Because there's a war for your soul.